Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. White and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we're going to be joined later on in the show by our good friend, cuddly Steve Pander. He's just wrapping up his Thanksgiving celebration so happy thanksgiving weekend to, to everyone listening to the show did you have a nice thanksgiving sunday zach yeah i had a nice meal our big celebration our big big our family uh small family get together is tomorrow is tomorrow at my in-laws house um but yeah we had a, we had a really nice a really nice meal really nice time together today's a family um one of our traditions michael is we sit around the table and we go around we ask each other what we're what we're thankful for so michael mccall what are, what are you thankful for this year i am thankful that football is back and that we can actually get out to games and in particular for me university football and vmsl i've missed that nice yeah you've been doing lots of videos and reporting on vmsl right yeah, I wasn't able to watch the Whitecaps game live either on Saturday night because I was commentating up at UBC. What about what about yourself, Zach? What are you thankful for in particular this year? I, I was as we were talking about the other day. I'm just thankful for our my, our family, um, all in you know pretty positive, good health. And well, I guess I should say um, that just, as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. We just we like. Uh, we're at a stage of life where we really enjoy spending time together, which is nice because it's been a, a significant season of, of only being able to spend time with limited amount of people. And so I'm really uh, happy for the people I get to spend time with. Yeah. And it's, it's been good having these sort of fun chats and stuff as well. Oh, and yeah. Zoom has been great. Yeah. I mean, it's made everything much easier for us to, to get the show done as well. I genuinely prefer doing the show this way than in the studio also prefer chatting to players and coaches by zoom than face to face at the moment as well it's just you, you get them to open up more when it when it's like this and you get you're in the comfort of your home you've got a nice cup of tea probably a chocolate <laughs> digestive yeah it's all good i miss uh I agree with you. It is. It is. Um, it makes life easier to do it this way. Well, I'm not a very miss... social person, so I guess that no, plays I into know, it as well. Yeah, but I mean, I just miss 
I know you're not a huge social, but I just miss even just you, Steve, and I in the studio and the the camaraderie and the fun and the oh yeah, I miss you, Zach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least this way, I know the buttons are pressed properly when we're <laughs> when we're doing stuff. But I'm just joking. We miss you too, Steve. It's okay. He never listens to this. Show, I was just so gonna say you're saying he's, that he's never gonna hear. You're this. sure he's not gonna listen? Yeah, absolutely sure. Anyway. Something else we, of course, are thankful for was Steve's present yes. to, to Zach and myself at Christmas time, which we had in March or something. I've got all your presents for this year. Had them since the start of September. They're all I, wrapped and everything. It's all great. I think I have Steve, or part of Steve's at least. I don't think I have yours yet. What Steve gave us, if you're a regular listener, you will know, was a, a box of 2011 Upper Deck Trading Card Packs. We're opening them up in all the weekend shows. I think we've got about seven packs kind of left to do. And then we're putting them together, picking our best 11 as we got them out of the packs. But we'll rattle through the packs again as usual. Now, I know Kirk always comes up with a name for your pack. So you've had a sneak peek. What's your name this week? Yeah, Kirk, what's the name? Double or nothing. Double or nothing. I'm not sure why it's called the but I think I'll find out. Well, that is also an AEW pay-per-view. So... That's good. We're Kirk, getting are you more watching to the wrestling, wrestling on pay per view without me knowing? No, okay. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I watched GCW, brutal as anything. The death matches, folk getting their faces and nose sliced open with pizza cutters. Hey, I, I, I haven't asked you or Steve. I don't know how we haven't talked about this. I saw an advertisement the other day. There's a, there's a show. Uh, oh, in Vancouver. No, 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 no. A TV show on Crave about wrestling. Oh yeah, heels. Yeah, the guy, it's the guy from uh, Arrow, Arrow. It's Arrow or whatever. CM Punk's in it as well, and Stephen Amell. Yes. I don't know who those. I have not watched it yet, but I have oh. been told that it is very good. So I, I do plan on watching it. I heard it's been like reviewed well. It, it's something I. It's on my list of things to catch up with. Nice. I I will get there. How far are you in the MCU now? Oh, we haven't watched anything for. <laughs> we're up to Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's not bad. So now that we know that Black Widow is free on Disney+, Plus, we hope to get to that as well. Oh, that's a good one. Sure everyone's fascinated by, by this chat. I'll leave it all in, of course. Do you want me to tell you about my first card? Yeah, let's get yes. to the pack. I'll get mine open while you're doing that. Oh, nice. I don't cheat. Um, I have a revolutionary from New England. It's, I believe, fullback, Kevin Alst- Alston. Do you remember this guy? I remember Yeah, him. didn't he dump the tea in the water? Wasn't he one of those guys? Uh, I have a, a, a legendary name across MLS, Houston Dynamo midfielder. It's Corey Ash, who's made lots of my teams of the week over the years because there's a lot you can do with the name Ash. I have another new card to me. It is also a fullback. And he is someone you've questioned about where he has been at various points. Is it Joe Corona? No. Oh, Jonathan oh, Leathers. Johnny Leathers. Yes. Uh, last you I saw, him. he w- yeah, he was a missionary in Africa. I think he's doing some business stuff, but yeah, I think he's done some uh, mm. work like that in Africa before. I've got a goalkeeper from Philadelphia Union, Brian Carroll. Oh, yeah. I remember him. Oh, I don't remember my next guy. Oh, I'll, I don't know if I have this guy. And he's English. Hmm. This is a midfielder. He... From the Longhorns from Dallas, it's Marvin Chavez. Do you have? Do you have him? Do you? Know him? I think I do. Yes, 
I just had a, a little look ahead to mine. I've got two great ones to finish this pack. This guy I don't remember. He's English. That's probably why he's instantly forgettable. From Sport in Kansas City, he's a midfielder. Ryan Smith. This also looks like another new card to me. It's yeah, These are all new in mine. Forward from the crew in Columbus, it's Emilio Rentaria. I remember the name. I don't remember him super well. Fancy a little Brazilian, because I've got it in my hand. From LA Galaxy, he's a midfielder, Janinho. Oh, nice. I don't have him yet. Great little player, actually. Oh, now I get the, I get the double or nothing from Kirk. This card I believe you have, but it is definitely new to me. It's midfield forward in his FC Dallas uniform. President of the St. Kitts and Nevis Football Federation, oh, Atiba Harris. Atiba. It's it's tough, let's be honest, to juggle managing two football two federations. federations at the same yeah. time. Oh, crazy stuff. I have got a legend of the Canadian game, you may want to say. Oh. From TFC. Oh. Julian de Guzman. Oh. Yeah. Most caps or did a team pass him yet? Or a team is about to pass him? Or a team is going to pass him? Yeah, I'm not sure, actually. I think he may have passed him. I, uh, this, did you say you had an Englishman named Smith? Yeah, Ryan Smith. Oh, okay. I have a Scotsman named Smith. It's Colorado's midfield forward, Jamie Smith. Do you remember him? Vaguely. Okay. And that's weird, because I am also finishing with a Scotsman. It's always the, the best thing to do on a Sunday evening, I find. This was a guy, I forgot how much love I expressed for this guy back in the day. In my pre-Johnny Russell love fest, I had an Adam Muffet love fest instead. Oh, yes. I remember. He played for Portland for a while, right? He played for Elgin City against East Fife, and I remember speaking to him at Empire Stadium in 2011. We spoke about lower league Scottish football. And he remembered that. Yeah, it was a fantastic little chat we had. So was that your, is our was, cards for this week. Was it your favourite interview? Back then, definitely. Yeah. Actually, my favourite interview from 2011 was after the Man City game, where all the media went to the Man City porter cabin, and I was the only media that went into the Whitecaps one, and I got to speak to all the Whitecaps guys, and the Man City players wouldn't do any media after the match. And then everyone headed <sighs> back to the Whitecaps porter cabin, but the players had left by that point. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that was all new pack for me, so I feel good about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. So I'm delighted by that. So that was our cards for this week. And of course, the man that bequeathed them to us, he's not dead, but he, he gave it to us as a present anyway, was the lovely Steve. I was just waxing lyrical about him earlier in the show. Sure and I'm delighted to say he's joined. Joined us now. Hello. He's finished his turkey. He's gobbled everything up. You feeling yeah. all stuffed and full of whatever that thing is that makes you sleepy after turkey? Uh, yeah. What's it called? I can't remember. Try, 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 try something try, fan. Yeah. Yeah. I try Triceratops. A, I saw it in a Seinfeld episode. We we were watching actually Jurassic World. Speaking of Triceratops, oh. you had um, a nice Thanksgiving. Yeah. Good times. Spent a lot of time <laughs> in the garage. What you, what's going on in the garage? I wasn't going to ask. It's, it's, a it's, a, it's a joke from Community, the show Community. Oh, oh like avoiding your family? Yeah, avoiding the family. You oh. spend time in the garage. I was going to ask you, is that like being on a boat? No, no. Well, yeah, kind of. The same well, things were done on a boat that were done in the garage. 
Of course, something that spoiled a lot of people's Thanksgiving weekend is the football, because it's not a fantastic set of results that we're going to talk about. But we're going to kick off the football chat now, though, by just having a, a quick look at Sounders Whitecaps, but then talking a bit more MLS after it. Because I don't really want to dwell on the game too much, because it wasn't... It, it wasn't fantastic, but... I went to bed feeling quite disappointed by it, Zach, but I woke up not as down because, well, I read your match report and that put me a bit more upbeat. But in general, it wasn't too bad in the second half from the Whitecaps. I think I was just shaping my opinion on what was a horrible first 15, 20 minutes of that game. I Yeah, I, actually, Michael, as, as I said, I'm going to watch the match with my computer open and to take notes and whatever. As soon as, uh, so before the match, as soon as I saw the lineup, I I, I began to write that op- the opening. Mm. I, I and I, t- I told Kirk, I said, Kirk, they're gonna they're gonna concede four or five. Like, I checked the the lineup at halftime up at UBC uh, between the halftime of the women's game, and I saw that defense. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, this this yeah. is uh, for. It's basically a, a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And, and no, like, again, not trying to rag on players like Metcalf and Hassal, but, um, you know, I, I think that with other players in those positions, it's that's not a 4-1 game. No. And also with Vancouver actually taking some of the guilt edge chances they were, they were offered or created, it's not a 4-1 game either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Seattle is full value for the victory. They show how strong how deep uh, and how just overall, like their overall quality in terms of their preparation, their tactics, yeah. their organization. Yeah. They have a system and it works for them. I mean, that that opening, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about all this, Michael, but that opening goal, Steve, like that was like, like something you've been talking about like all year long, zonal marking. Yeah. And, and one of the simple ways to get around to counteract zonal marking is on corners is by taking it short and making the players move. And they didn't just take it. Seattle just didn't take it short. They had some great interplay wide that totally had the white, the zone, the I, everyone, I swear, everyone on that defense was out of zonal marking mode. Yeah. Well, Vanny, were... Vanny said, you're spot on because Vanny said it after the game. He said, we usually play a zonal thing, but for some reason they decided to go man to man because the short corner threw them. Yeah. And, and, and do, and in doing that, Somehow the man to man Markham well either. The thing is for me is like man like when you're covering the corners and set pieces like that, I, I feel like man to man is better. Um because you put you can put pressure on those uh, attacking players and throw them off. It's very hard to score on a on a set piece. It's not as easy as it looks. So if you put if you're if if people get pressure on those people taking those corners, and I think that makes a way bigger difference than that. It's just effort. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that they don't have trust in their players having giving effort on those corners. I don't know. But, I mean, Sh- Shane O'Neill, five minutes in, puts them 1-0 up. And right away you think, well, that's going to be a, a long night ahead. 14th minute, Nicholas Benazay, it's 2-0. And you're like, this could get out of hand pretty quickly. And I know you weren't a big fan of the, the celebration, Zach. Circle twerks. It was a double nutmeg that play, right? It started with Joao, mm. Joao Paulo nutmegging Owosu at half, and it ended with Benazé nutmegging us all. Um, am I thinking of the right goal? Maybe, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of the right goal, the second one. And 
Yeah, I mean, the, the torque was, I, I don't know. I actually, honestly, Michael, when it happened, I said, to, again, I said to Kirk, I was like, I think he's injured. The way he started to like bend, oh. like bend and stuff. I, I think he hurt himself. And then he started to shake. And I was like, oh, no. The, I was like, avert your eyes, son. Avert your <laughs> No. The thing with both those opening goals was just a horrible marking. Now, yeah. just going back to that first one, when you watch the play, I've just written down here, like, Jungworth had two men that he was dealing with. And then Smith then somehow manages to, not Smith, O'Neill somehow manages to run between two defenders, unchallenged, unchecked, and just finishes it. And, like, the marking of the second goal wasn't much better. But I, I said talking about that other game where Michael Baldissimo was playing in the middle of the, the back three. He is not a centre-back. Patrick Metcalf is not a centre-back. And I, I think we won't do it just now, but come the end of the season, when we're doing our end-of-season review, we need to have some serious discussions about the homegrowns and whether they really are of the quality that is necessary and when you look at a team like Seattle, who were down to their bare bones, had to have an emergency call-up because they had such few players, they still come out with a 4-1 victory because of the depth that they've built. And what they've been fantastic at now for a couple of seasons is integrating their young guys a lot better than we've done here in Vancouver. They've got the minutes alongside good players and games They've been in the fortunate position of being out of sight in some games and it allows them to to bring the young guys on. And that's something that if we want to be a club that's bringing on young players, we need to have a better way of doing that, Steve. We need to get them integrated. We've been banging on about this for a couple of years now. I, I don't think we can even, like, like, you can't really complain about the quality when in the past, the Whitecaps uh, academy teams have performed very well against other academy teams throughout the, the specific leagues. This is a problem about putting them in the right position, showing confidence in them, and having the right players at the MLS level to for them to succeed. If you put garbage around them, they're going to become garbage as well. And that's yeah. a problem in the but past it's all, few years. It's a, such a big step up, though, from beating these academy teams to suddenly going up yeah. against like well, international I, caliber players. But what I'm saying is that if you're saying other teams are able to bring their academy players through because they have quality around those players, yeah. those players are supported by those top tier players. Whereas, like, if you, for example, Sounders, how many Sounders players, uh, like, are wait, like, we've talked about before, Ladero, um, in the past, uh, uh, name the players or wherever they are all along defense forward uh, midfield. Those players are of a better quality. Where if the academy players come in, they ha- they have somebody to play with. Yeah. And if the Whitecaps are playing with mid tier to low tier players, and you bring academy players in there, that's what they're going to turn into mid tier low tier players. Well, we should also know as well because we're going on about the lineup. So just going back to that, some of this was forced upon Vanny because of all the injury situations at the moment. Andy Rose went out at training this week. And for all the criticism that gets levelled at Andy Rose, I think this game showed how important and how much we missed him when he wasn't there. And Zach's putting his hand up. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I still I still don't think Andy 
Rose can be a starting center back for your club if you want to show ambition in MLS. However, he's done an amazing job this year, especially filling in and starting. Maybe sometimes I thought he shouldn't, but he still did a good job. But you're right. It showed that it showed that how much they missed him in the situation where they're lacking. Uh, they're lacking so many starters. I mean, but here's the thing, though. Patrick Metcalf is not a center back. No, right? and exactly. Like, and like you, I know you said it already. Michael. I know Steve. I know Steve said it. I feel bad for him because I don't mm-hmm. think he's been horrible when he's like you guys have said he's been played in his position in center midfield. But has yeah, he? Looked, he's a defensive looked, midfielder. Yeah, he, has he he's like a Davy Norman Jr. Yeah. that we we had here. Except folk, for Davy Norman folk, can play center back. But yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But, folk but, kept saying to me, Patrick Metcalf, he's better than David Norman Jr. at that position. We we don't play him at that position. Yeah, he doesn't play there because there's other players there. But yeah, you can't you can't really truly evaluate him playing center back or playing wide midfield slash wing back like. Or bringing him on and giving away a penalty in stoppage time. Yeah, but it's not been he, a good couple of weeks for for Patty. Is basically what I'm but saying. Wasn't he, but wasn't he in like a wide, like a wide? Yeah, position? He, yeah, like, he was. He, well, he, he was playing defensive role, and the thing is as well, you've got Jake Narinsky back there, who's done not bad, but he's not in a back three and on the left hand side again. That is not ideal. Yeah, you, uh, I just want to mention that. Yeah, you are going to miss Andy Rose when you got other players that are not. Of that position at all, yeah. Like yeah. Andy Rose isn't even out of that position, and and you got players that are probably less experienced in that position. And of course, we, you're going to miss. We've got three centre backs out on loan at the moment. Yeah, and then you had what two or three injured, right? Or yeah, well, I mean, Godoy was on the bench. Wasn't good to start, and Ranko was out injured, right? Yeah, and Gutierrez, the, the other defender, the and Javine Brown's away with Jamaica, which, right? Which annoys me when players go away and then don't get minutes, and you really, really could have dealt done with them at your club level of course well, you should I think be playing he, club games at, at this window but that's a whole other thing i, th- I think yeah. he got minutes in the first game but uh, uh, besides the point you're right i think it more shows that how much they miss cornelius having a guy like yeah. cornelius instead of loaning him out uh, the thing with godoy when i saw it i was like well if he's on the bench like start him and then if it goes wrong but because of his injuries i guess it's the cautious approach that they don't they probably think well are we going to get anything from seattle Maybe yeah, it's it, better to make sure that he's good to go for the the games that we've got coming up that are really crucial. I, yeah. I agree with that. I think that's probably why they saw it. Like they needed to put in the most healthiest teams not to make sure they don't aggravate more injuries. Yeah. I mean, just to rattle through the the rest of the first half quickly, Caicedo crashed one off the bar, totally against the run of play, but Seattle had a number of other chances in and around that as well. Then from nowhere, it seemed, the Whitecaps going at half time. Just 2-1 down, and it was a good team goal. Mm-hmm. And Dahomey, first of all, showed some great footwork in the box. Could easily have just tried to do a shot and been selfish himself, but so showed awareness of what was going on. Yeah. Gold showed great tenacity. I do think his shot, that Fry kind of scooped it from over the byline, I think it uh-huh. possibly went out. But there didn't seem to be a camera angle that they showed you that showed that. Hmm. So obviously no clear and obvious. But that aside, and then the rebound comes to back to Gold, who lovely again awareness to send it to White, who buries it again. Tenth goal of the season now. Double figures for a guy that's just joined us in the summer that's had ups and downs, ropey games. But as you mentioned in your report, Zach, 
the only White Cats player to score in the last six games. Yeah, which is concerning. Very good. It's over a month, I think now. Yeah, it, um, yeah. That, that play, I think. I think the key to that play was it was the only time, the first, yeah, maybe the first time, or one of few times that Dahomey, who was playing in one of those uh, wide positions, came inside and and he attacked from the middle, and it caused it caused Seattle problems. I think the sort of like a, the overload there plus his skills. Uh, in the box there to to get to to get to return the ball back to gold. I think we're like what what made that happen. And then White White was just um, in the proper place at the proper time. Yes, <laughs> as he always should be. But I mean to go in at two one. I'm like this is crazy. I don't know how we're still in this game. And you're like, well, we know that we're a good second half team. We'll we'll see what happens. I want to talk about an incident five minutes into the second half. Benazi, already on a yellow card, commits a foul. For me, it was a booking. If he hadn't already have been booked, that would have been a booking. He should have gone off. It could have been a game-changing moment. When it's a 4-1 defeat, you feel bad going back and picking over. Oh, maybe that would have changed the game. But I really could have. Yeah, I think I think it was... Uh... I think the referee was uh, lenient. Like I don't, I don't think Tiber wasn't happy with the foul for one thing. Oh, yeah, and I think uh, I think Seattle would have been hard pressed to to really debate that being a being a, a sending off. But I think ultimately what happens is it's one of those cases where a referee knows the players on a yellow card and mm-hmm. doesn't want to send them off. Wants to maybe warn them one more time or whatever. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, it's also a little surprising to get booked for the celebration. Well, that's a point as well, actually, yeah. But he didn't jump into the crowd. No, but it was just so offensive. I I, I quite liked it. I used that oh. as the picture in the report. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm offensive, I'm not offensive. I just mean it was, like, bad. It was not good. Yeah. I'm sure he'll get a lot of stick when he comes to BC Place in November. Yeah. But then five minutes after that incident, it goes to 3-1, and you're like, ah, that probably is the, the game over now. Bruin, just allowed to run through. You know, I mean, he's not a dangerous guy when he's got the ball in front of goal. Nicely set up. Nicely, uh, that was nicely laid off by their Colombian. Yeah, it, it was a good goal from a Seattle point of view. It was just more horrible defending. Do you th- do you do you celebrate Will Bruin goals more than the other Seattle goals, Michael? Or I know you're close with that. Well, I, w- I was rooting for Freddie to to get on the score sheet just because I wanted to see if he would celebrate or or not. Probably if MDS was still in charge, he would maybe have celebrated, but. Of course, he kind of bundled it in the back of the net. We're not really sure who got that final touch, but was ruled for offside in the 70th yeah. minute. And you're thinking, wow, they're, they're, Seattle's just going to run riot now. But then, final 15, 20 minutes, the Whitecaps just turned a screw and just played really well, had some great chances. Daho was played in and Fry had a great save. There was a white header over the bar that just unfortunately broke to him just too quickly for him to really... I don't. He wasn't expecting it as a header. He might have expected a, the ball to come off Fry and get to his foot or whatever, so I don't blame him too much for that. But they had their chances. They could easily have got this back to 3-2, and then when it gets back to 3-2, who knows what happens after that. Yeah, it was a quick reaction, right? But you still, like, when the net's that open... <laughs> And you're gifted it like that. 
you you, you kind of if it was also I know it was so quick, but it felt like one of those chances where you see where it's harder to miss the net than to than, than to not. Mm. But yeah, it, it was one of those moments that again could have swung things back towards uh, towards uh, you know Vancouver gaining momentum and getting back into it. Well, three two would certainly have made uh, a much more interesting couple of closing minutes. It wasn't to be. And in the end, it ended up as 4-1. Choo-choo! Leo Chu. Yeah, I mean... This was another horrible goal Jake, defensively. I mean, Jake looked really, really... Like, this was the one of the, the one moment where no one's... no one's, Or everyone's saying, yeah, he's not a centre-back. Yeah. I've, totally... I've written in my notes, poor by Hassal, worse by Jake. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, he's totally got out muscled. But Hassal, I mean, that's the other person. I mean, the, the two people who got, I think I saw, got ragged on the most yesterday were Metcalf and Hassal. And I think, yeah, Metcalf was not good. I mean, on two of the goals for sure. But Hassal also, yeah, like it's hard not to, when you have a keeper the quality of Maxime Pierre it's hard not to dream about what would have happened if he was in there. And I'd say I wouldn't have been surprised if he stopped at least three of those goals. Mm. Is that wrong? What do you like? What do you think? I, I definitely the fourth one. I was just it was just weak. The, the only one that I think it might it might not have stopped is the opener. The first one between the legs, I think he might get it. That last one below the right hand, I think he gets it. I'm not sure about the Bruin one. Well, the Bruin one, yeah, mate, yeah. Because Bruin might have put it somewhere else, depending on what Max was doing. I, I think Bruin would have finished that. I think two of the four. I think Max would also come out a little bit more. Like, yeah, on that yeah, but, but. It's, who knows? It's, it's all speculation at this point. I mean, a 4 1 defeat, to be honest, I didn't expect the White Cats to get much from this. The good thing, though, from a White Cats point of view, is this was a makeup game, yeah. so it was their game in hand, it hasn't cost them playoff positioning. The only thing that could have really hurt them this weekend in, in terms of the standings and the push for the playoffs was the game that, that took place on, on Sunday afternoon. Weird to have a game on a Sunday when it's an international calendar as well. Minnesota United, Colorado Rapids. I watched the, the goals on the MLS website just before we came on here. I'd hoped to watch the seven-minute highlights that's usually up on YouTube, but they're not up yet. So I did a search, and Minnesota United had Minnesota United, Colorado Rapids, match highlights... 50 seconds and I thought they showed all four things and the sending off in 50 seconds they showed the kickoff and their goal and a replay of their goal and that was it so I quite liked that I, I, I don't understand how this game played out the way it did it is crazy and but, like there's pressure on Adrian Heath and I think if Minnesota don't make the postseason I think Heath's, Heath goes at the end of the, the year I think they'll they'll bring a new coach in, but Minnesota were in complete control here. They they took the the lead early on. Who now? Yes, who now? Put the ball in the the back of the net in the eighth minute, and then Danny Wilson, good Scottish lad, gets himself sent off at the start of the second half, and you're like, oh well, that's I, I, that's going to be it now. I knew the result of the match, and I was watching the highlights. And when that happened, I was like, oh, I was like, VAR's obviously going to overturn, overturn this because I know it's coming. And they didn't. And I was like, okay, so someone someone from someone from Minnesota has got to get sent off or something crazy has got to happen. But no, they managed to score 
three goals. Three goals in the last 17 minutes with 10 men. Cole Bassett penalty. Michael Barrios in the 84th minute. And then Lucas Estevez with one of the easiest, well, first MLS goal, one of the easiest goals he's going to get as the keeper is up at the halfway line. And I think it's Barrios just chips the ball over him and Estevez just runs in and puts it in the back of the net. Now, from a Whitecaps point of view, great result. From a Minnesota point of view, that now does a lot mentally to them. Because you're at home, they got booed off the park, and the fans clearly not happy. They've made some big signings this year. and Are you sure it wasn't just another Oasis song? Like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Maybe somebody kicked the ball in the stands. It's a wonder balls up. That's what it what it is. But that keeps Minnesota in seventh on thirty-eight. White caps on eighth with thirty-seven. So that could have given Minnesota a little bit of breathing space. So I, I wanna just look at the the, the standing. So the, the top four, Seattle, Kansas City, Colorado, Portland, out of sight in the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. We talked about that last week. So still no change from last week. Salt Lake, fifth and thirty-nine. LA Sixth and thirty-nine, Minnesota seventh and twenty-eight, Vancouver eighth on thirty-seven. All the teams now have played twenty-eight games, so there's two points between fifth and eighth. So I just want to look at the, the games that, that the teams have just just coming up, and I'll start with Salt Lake. So there's six games that they've got left. I, I want you to to give me how many points you think that they're they're maybe going to get from these games. So, don't do it as we go along. Just keep the points in, in your head. So, they're at home to Colorado. They're away to Chicago. They're away to, to Dallas. They're at home to San Jose. They're at home to Portland. And they're away to Kansas City. Now, looking at that from my point of view, I think Chicago is probably a three points to them. Colorado do well when they go there, so I don't know that they're going to get much from that. And then you're looking, I think they'll beat San Jose, maybe beat Dallas. I think at best they're going to get nine points from those six games. Uh, yeah, I would I would say, I would actually going to say six or seven. I, mm. I think six or seven. I think nine's being generous. I, I think seven somewhere points. Somewhere in six, six to nine. Yeah, I'm saying six to seven because of the fact that they have not responded well to the coaching change. Obviously, it wasn't really their doing. The guy left, yeah. Um, and yeah, they haven't responded well to that. Like they're they've had a few games here and there, depending on the opponents, where they actually pulled it out. But it's been here hit and miss. And and you know you got a six one loss to Portland, and but you also beat the Galaxy two one. So it's it, they're very. I would say six to seven points would be definite, and they could get more. For sure. What about you, Zach? Yeah, that all seems reasonable. Six or seven. Okay, let, let's say seven. Uh, and we'll kind of pencil that in. So that's going to put them then on 46. Obviously, this is mass speculation at this point, but I like doing these kind of things. LA Galaxy now, tied on 39 points, in a horrible run of form just now. And they don't have it easy for, for their running either. They're at home at Portland... They're away to Houston. They're at home to Dallas. They're away to Kansas City. They're away to Seattle. And then they're home to Minnesota. Now, again, if I'm being generous here, 
I think they'll beat Houston. I yeah. think they'll beat Minnesota. And they'll probably beat Dallas. So I might look at nine I'm, points here. No, I'm not giving them the win against Houston. They, they, don't, they don't travel that well. Mm. I would and give Houston them... Houston are I, good at home. And I'm not even sure if they would beat Minnesota on the last day. I, I call that a draw. So for me, it's five points at the most. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, I mostly agree with Michael. So I was going to say, like, maybe 10. No. 10. You guys are, have you seen what the results are in the last few weeks? I know, but you have to feel that Vanny's going to, at some point, yeah. turn things around. some point? It's like only six games to go. How many, right. What some point is there? It's the Greg father. Come on. It's, right. the, it's, it's who they thought, think we are, or who they think they are. Let, let's give them seven, because that's splitting the difference between Steve's five and my nine. So we'll give them seven, which also puts them in 46 points. No, I, I don't see them getting that many points. I honestly, do, I, they're they've like they're dropped like a. I'm trying to see the last time they won a game. Where was it? Um, uh, we're going I, back I, about five weeks now. I think actually, uh, August fourteenth oh, was the last. More time than they won that, a game. yeah. They're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I see, they've been eight, draws or nine, losses. nine games without a win. So they, they yeah, okay. So mm. I'm just saying that I don't see a Houston away is definite, and I don't see a uh, last game on the at home being a definite either. Yeah, the, the Minnesota game for me is is a little more iffy, but I still think they'll pull that off. If we look at Minnesota now, another team not in a, a great run of form either. They they beat Houston on the 25th of September. Since then, they've lost to DC United, they drew at Dallas, and then they lost to date at Colorado. Now, what they've got coming up, an interesting one, away to Austin, then at home to Philly, at home to LAFC, away to the Whitecaps, at home to Kansas City, and then away to the Galaxy. I don't see them. I, I could genuinely see them not getting another point. For the rest of the season. No, I see them. That seems way too low, Mike. Mm, I know that does seem One, harsh. Two, I could see them getting about three. Actually, I, I see them getting all draws. I don't see. An, I, I don't see a winnable game here anywhere. Mm. But I do see draws a lot. I, Possibly I four, a draw with LAFC because they don't travel well. I see. I see four draws potentially out of the last six games. I think that they're going to sputter because of that because they won't be able to turn games into wins. That Austin one looms huge for them because they're coming off that Colorado defeat and then they've got Austin who are really good at home. What's, what's your thoughts on that, Zach? They have to win that one. I, I think, yeah, maybe four, five, or six. I, like, yeah. Mm. I would say five. Maybe a win and two draws. All right, let's be generous and, and give them five. I just, I can't. I think Austin might beat them. But that would be the only game I could possibly see them getting a win. But let's give them that's five a, anyway. That's where I don't get you guys because they're on a better run. They actually have won games instead of LA, the LA Galaxy. And you guys have the Galaxy winning 10 points. Yeah, their road far form, though. They've only won two games on the road all season. So talking, they're, they're not but the great. But the Galaxy haven't won any games. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they haven't won any for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we come to the Whitecaps. I'm, I'm keeping LAFC out of it just now because b basically I feel this is in the Whitecaps' hands. Um, it's only theirs to blow really just now. So they've got Kansas City next weekend at BC Place. Away to Portland, away to San Jose, home to Minnesota, 
away to LAFC, home to Seattle. Now, I see a point next weekend against Kansas City. I thought Kansas City's road form was terrible. And then when I looked at it earlier, it's like, oh, no, it's not. They've got seven wins on the road from their their 13 games that they've played. And they've only lost four of those 13 on the road. So I could see that one being a draw uh, at the weekend. Portland, I'd be surprised if they get anything there. See them beating San Jose. See Uh, them beating Minnesota. Yeah, I see uh, a draw against Kansas City. I think you're right there. I see a draw against San Jose uh, because of it being a road game. Um, I see. I definitely see a win against Minnesota, and then so that puts them on five points. And I think they they basically need to win one of their last two games, either in, in LA or at home to Seattle. I think what I, I said this when I I, I did a, a hit on Seattle Radio during the week preview in this game. Our dream scenario for that last game of the season, if we need to get a win, is Seattle rest a ton of players, although that might not help us looking at how things went yesterday, but if they rest a ton of players because they're already clinched their spot and they, they've got a couple of weeks to just play with what they want. Yeah, Michael, I, I don't. I really don't know if that's the. It is actually the best case scenario, not only because of Seattle's quality and in their depth, but because those players, if that's what they cho- chose to do in the scenario you, you you laid out, are going to be giving their all because they want to be a viable option in the playoffs. That is true, yeah. So, I, yeah, for me, I, I only see Vancouver getting, and this is, I, I've been more opti- optimistic uh, in previous weeks. I, I think they might only get four or five points of those last, those remaining games. I don't I think them- they'll win either of the last two, and I think they'll get seven before that, though, because I think they'll get two wins. I think they'll I'm win in San Jose, sure. and I think they'll beat Minnesota and a yeah, draw not, with Kansas City. But you're I'm not, not sure. convinced. I'm, I'm not sure about the win in San Jose, unless it all depends on how healthy they get by then. Like these next two games, if they can uh, yeah. draw against Kansas City and um, not worry too much about the game against Portland, maybe play the B team, and then and then worry, get that healthy full lineup against San Jose, then they have a chance for sure. I, I, between San Jose and Minnesota, I see them getting four points and then one other one somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. What's concerning about that then is going by our little tally, they would not make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, it, so you, you heard it here first. A couple of points. <laughs> who's, make, who's making that at this last spot? Who do we have? Uh, we've got... Mini just scraping in, possibly by one or two points over the Whitecaps. But that does not include an unbeaten run from Bob Bradley's Goats 2. Yeah, well, we've already got them in, even with that. Well, right, right. Oh, no, yeah, we hadn't. Sorry, oh. Bob Bradley. Yeah, yeah no, Bob Bradley, yeah. LAFC, the so they, they, could, they could come up the rear. You never I think know you guys are happen. honestly, I still think you're giving way too much credit to the Galaxy. That's fair. That, that's fair. Uh, I, think that, I, I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs personally. I think the Vancouver might slip in just because not, uh, or how do they say, like back their way in, like people used to always say. Oh, yeah. That, you always used to really annoy me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that is it for our MLS chat for this week. Thank God. Yeah. I think we, we talked a lot more than I planned in this part, but we'll move on to the international scene next. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kippel from the Vancouver Whitecaps, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for October. From down under Australia, it's The Chats, the most Australian band in the world. That is a song from their debut album that came out last year called High Risk Behaviour. And that was Identity Theft. Yes. Fantastic old-school punk sound from the chats. I love them. We've got a lot more songs for them to come this month. Let me know what you think of them. And I guess talking about stealing people's identity, the someone seemed to steal the Whitecaps' identity in that game down in Seattle because it certainly didn't look like the, the Whitecaps uh, that we've seen the last few, few weeks at, at moments of that game. And I, I don't know. It's been weird to kind of say what identity... A lot of the teams in the World Cup qualifiers have at the moment because interesting results in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. We're going to get to that shortly. Have to talk first though about Scotland. 94th minute winner, Scott McTominay. Putting us on the verge of the playoffs to get to Qatar. Although... We could be facing the likes of Sweden or Spain or Switzerland or Portugal in those playoffs. So it might not be fantastic after all. But we'll we'll see what happens there. My dream, of course, is Scotland and Canada being at this World Cup. It's never happened since 1986. And I didn't care about Canada much back then, if I'm being totally honest. So (laughs) at least this time I would have been really enjoying it. Do you want them in the same group? Oh, yeah, because it'd be an easy three points for dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, Canada. But <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm sure John Hedman would love to to get the better of the, the Scots and me the next time I speak to him. But anyway, let's turn our attention to John Hedman's men, Canada. Two big World Cup qualifiers on the road for them in the last few days. Four points. Four points taken from him? No, it wasn't. Two points taken for them. What was I thinking? It could have been four points taken from them. I think that's what I was thinking. A point in the Azteca. It could have been such a big deal of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Could also have been nothing, but we'll come to that. A 1-0 draw with Mexico. Fantastic result uh, on, on Thursday in the Azteca. Followed up by... A point is a point on the road in Jamaica on a pitch that looked like the crowd weren't there because they'd smoked half the pitch. But it does feel like a missed opportunity hanging over them so far, much like that opening draw with Honduras at home is hanging over them. We'll we'll get into all this. We're not going to break down the games thoroughly. We're just going to talk generally about it. But let's head to Mexico for that first game on Thursday night. Canada better team in the first half missing 
some key players as well, really not afraid to take the game to Mexico, which was great to see. Larray had a chance in the 15th minute that was saved. Rebound fell to Teon Buchanan, who blasted over. Six minutes later, though, Mexico makes it 1-0 through Sanchez. And I wondered at that point, is that it? They're going to maybe turn the heat up, run out comfortable winners by a couple of goals here. But for the second straight away game against one of the top two sides in CONCACAF, they fought back. Fonzie should have scored in the 31st minute. That was one of the misses of, of the, the year there. Vittoria had a header in the 40th minute that he should probably get got in the back of the net. But three minutes before half-time, it was 1-1. Fonzie slips on Osorio. He buries it. Absolutely fantastic first half, sack. It was... I mean, it was a joy to watch. I mean... It was. They... They accredited themselves so well. Like they played so well. And they could have, yeah, they could have easily been up at the at the half. The, I mean they were the better team. Yeah. I think they genuinely could have gone in two one, three one up. It really took the play to Mexico and it was just so encouraging. Um yeah. I, I it, it's it's strange to to I know we've said this multiple times along this journey. Um, towards uh, towards the World Cup in 2022, and you know at the Gold Cup and whatnot, but it just it still is a little strange, a little strange having so much not even hope, so much anticipation, and so much expectation. <laughs> well, it's also but, helped because teams are beating each other all over the place as well, which has yeah. it's kept the table so tight and so congested. Totally. Mexico's starting to run away with things, which is what we wanted, because they're always going to be the team that, that's going to go. It's a massive shock if Mexico don't get through to, to a World Cup with the talent that they have. But, I mean, how were you feeling at halftime, Steve? Oh, uh, somewhat nervous. But like I said, at that point, I wasn't... I was just hoping for a good showing. I wasn't expecting a result, so I was just hoping for a good showing, staying close, show that you belong. And and kind of trying to carry that forward to the next game. That that's uh, so, a that's a great way of wording that actually showing that they belong because yeah. th- these are the kind of games that for Canada to be in the equation as one of the top teams in Concacaf, it's fine beating the other teams, but if you end up rolling over and getting beat constantly by the U.S. and Mexico, it it just means you're third best in CONCACAF in a region that two teams are walking away with it. Now, that isn't the case anymore. And I think it's... uh, I can't. You guys might want to correct me on this and might want to check this up. So I'm not 100% sure if I remember this correctly, but I believe it's the 10th side to ever take a point off Mexico in in the Azteca or something like that in World Cup qualifying. Since 1934 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, 10th side for that. And then I believe it might be the only team that's taking points off the U.S. and Mexico in a qualifying. Uh, Like uh, On the road? On the road, yeah. That's what I mean, on the road. So so that might be the case, but I could have heard it wrong. First one's definitely right. Second one I hadn't heard, but I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I'll be honest. As good as they played in that first half, I thought... There's no way that Mexico is going to be that bad in the second half. So I'm thinking they're going to turn it up and they'll probably put away a couple of goals. And there were spells in that second half that Canada did well to to hold on. But, I mean, Johnson crashed a header 
off the bar. Mexico had a goal disallowed. Max could have given away a, a penalty for being draped all, all over the player. But then, as the game went on, Canada had chances to win it. And I think their best chance came in the 81st minute. It was that three-on-two break that that they had that they really... That's the kind of thing that if you miss out in qualification, you look back at moments like that and it haunts you. Yeah. Because they, that should have been buried. That should have been put away. But, I mean, to come away with a point, I think you said, Steve last week or the week before when we were talking about this that you, you thought they could go there and get something I genuinely yeah. didn't I thought they could they had a chance it depended on how Mexico performed and everything it's all, it's all on them if they perform like they're supposed to then nobody should be able to get a point off them at home uh, but if they're lackadaisical and Canada puts a, or any team puts in their best effort I think anybody then you got a, you got a chance there and it, like I said it's all going to depend on Mexico and Mexico like you said didn't show, like they showed today what they were capable of, but mm-hmm. you know, that day they weren't really into it, it seemed like. It seemed like, or and, and it has to, you have to give credit to Canada too, you just can't say, oh, it's just Mexico not playing. No, that's, yeah. And Canada went in there and played, and put them off their game a little bit too. Yeah, I don't, I mean, Canada was so aggressive um, in the, in, in their in their attack, uh, but also in their in their defending, and uh, yeah, I think they totally put them off. Uh, I, I think I think in general they probably had a. It's fair be fair to say they had an off day, but I I think Canada played a, a like a large large role in that. I think I think also I think the Gold Cup played a role in that. I think Mexico yeah, knew for sure they they couldn't just you know steamroll Canada because it was at the Azteca. I think they most uh, you know many of their players knew from the gold cup experience that this was going to be a battle and um so i think that also i think it affected their mentality and their uh, they like they didn't just try and come out and like just crush them from the off they knew they were they're going to have to fight for for you know to score and to and to win and, and, and mexico also benefited from uh, being able to like recover um yeah. because of those chances that they had uh, so they benefited from those chants. Yeah. For them. Let, let's talk about that. Because, of course, this was a game that was meant to be played with no fans because of the the chants and stuff that the Mexican fans have been doing and they had a two-game ban. That was then cut in half for, I don't know, good behaviour or whatever FIFA termed it as. And, of course, then this game gets stopped. Now... I wanted to ask John Herdman this after the game, but they had limited questions and I wasn't able to. It always seems to be detrimental to Mexico's opponents when this happens Mm -hmm. because it gives Mexico the chance to regroup as well. And it always seems to be happening when another team's starting to be on top. At the Gold Cup, Canada were in the ascendancy. Then you get the stoppage and then Mexico regroup and they get the winner. And yeah. I was just waiting for them to score off the corner because I thought it would have kind of disorganised Canada a little bit. But thankfully not. This clearly is not working, yeah. stopping the games. They need to do something else. Yeah. And it is detrimental to the opponents as much as it is, if not more, to, to, to Mexico. So, I mean, folks talked about docking points. I don't know what the answer is, but this isn't the answer. No, it, it definitely has become a uh, tactical thing that that 
the, the maybe the players and the you know the manager are not using themselves, but their supporters are savvy. Oh, football. they're very astute football fans. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we've 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 talked and joked a lot on the show before about you know Wesley Charles back in his time with with the Whitecaps from from um, Saint Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, and how around the seventy fifth minute mark, like virtually every match he played in, he would go down and stay down, not not because not because he was actually hurt, just because he was you know in his mid early mid thirties and he wanted a breather, and it was just like a routine. It was like a routine for him. And it was just, and he knew he could do it. He knew he could make it look like he would, and would give him the moment, the 30 seconds, a minute and a half, whatever he needed just to catch his breath, just to pause, to give him enough to go for the final 15 minutes of a game. And yeah, I think this, we're at a place where you're right, Michael, the, uh, the response to the behavior is not, uh, is, is actually probably helping and uh, maybe even facilitating or, you know, or, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Facilitating that behavior. So, so I think they need to maybe look at that and, and maybe alter things. Yeah. And not getting into, I know I point out, I've tweeted about this. I've had Mexican fans going, it isn't homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, whatever your view on that is Mexican fans, it doesn't matter because that's how it's been deemed. And yeah. these are the rules in place. Yeah. I'm- so you know what's happening. Yeah. Whether you do it or not, and you're still continuing to do it, so something else has to happen. Yeah, here's the thing though, when it comes to like harassment and stuff, I don't know if you guys have had to do any like uh training for your workplaces or whatever. I assume maybe you have, but like when it comes yeah, to Yeah, but I'm got impeccable behavior at work. Oh, do you mean no. I thought you meant I'd been sent away in some specialized no, 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 no. training just, courses just like general, general after staff pepper. complaints. But, That's not happened for a number of years now. No, but here, I mean, here's the thing when it comes to the harassment, right? It's not the intent of the person who's saying it. It's how it is received by yep. individuals. And so, again, uh, I, I totally understand that there are those in Mexico who are saying, for us, this is not uh, what other people feel it is. But the problem is it has been deemed by... Uh, people that it is uh, or can be can be taken in this way and therefore the official the, like the broader world community or the broader CONCACAF community has said this is unacceptable and so I think uh, for some people to put their head in the sand and say no no uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna uh, die on this hill is probably ultimately gonna be pretty foolish for them because I well, think it's gonna cost their team yeah, I think I think it's only going to continue to cost their team to the point where it's going to seriously cost them something, and then then you're, then it'll either stop or there'll be, you know, um, let's call it bigger issues in the state. Yeah, well, I mean, the the thing is, right now they're walking away with qualification, so even if they're docked points, it probably won't be that detrimental. But I think that is the only way to deal with it. I I don't know. It's just so sad that we even have to to be continuing to, to talk about this. Now, the other thing, of course, that there isn't in these qualifiers is that there's oh. no VAR. Yeah. And I've said before, I love games that's played with no VAR. I, I think in these qualifiers, though, I, I, VAR benefited Scotland hugely in their World Cup qualifier against Israel. But it's got folk like they're looking to introduce VAR in the Scottish Premier League and folks being against it after this weekend folks like oh I love VAR let's get VAR in (laughs) 
But VAR, VAR, VAR was essentially created for CONCACAF refereeing. Exactly. Yes. And the fact that it's not using CONCACAF, that's the biggest shame about the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even just these Canada games. It's other games yeah. around yeah. CONCACAF. It, it's just, it, it, it needs li- to be here. It's literally a different game. Like, it's unbelievable watching these games. Every game, there's multiple times where you're like, if VAR was involved, the outcome of the situation and potentially or obviously the outcome of the game would be different. No, don't say would because you have to also remember it's CONCACAF officials that's doing the VAR. (laughs) Well, you know what I'm saying. It's like, no, he still has a leg. It's still hanging on by a thread. That (laughs) is never a booking. But no, it it, it 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 is it feels like a different game. Yeah, like, it's all these players. You can tell there's so many times where you can just see on the replay. You're like, the guys. You can see it like processing. Oh, like uh-huh. no one's watching. No, the referee can't see this. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, I'm just gonna hit him. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna take him out. Like it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, little little crunch of the balls or whatever. It's like that's not gonna get picked up. A little elbow here or there. Like Mark Anthony Katie Day gets an elbow in the chest. Yes, it, it, yeah. was, it was a soft one. It wouldn't have been anything more anyway. But that's the have kind you, of have thing. You seen some, have you some seen some Diego Rodriguez's out there? <laughs> I haven't in this, but I just I was gonna say I always think of Diego Rodriguez, but <laughs> not not constantly. <laughs> Only when I'm spending special time with my wife. But yeah, no var. Now I, I before we get to the Jamaica game, after the Mexico game, there was a lot of chatter that I saw. It was even put to, to John Herman in, in his post-game chat as well about why have you gone for it against Mexico where you could maybe have put a weaker lineup and saved your guys, not had your guys picking up bookings to be suspended for the Jamaica game. That's the more winnable game and the more important game. And you could be looking at getting six points from beating Jamaica and Panama and you weren't maybe going to get much from that anyway. And that was immediately after the the Mexico game. Now, I haven't checked a lot on online after this, but I'm sure the folk that were saying that after the Mexico game will have been very adamant that by going for it for Mexico cost them against Jamaica today. I do see both sides of that argument, Zach, but... Going back to what we're saying and what Steve said, if you want to make a statement that you're here to belong and show that you belong, you have to go for it in every game. And I I, I don't think it was wrong to go for it at the Azteca. No, I agree with you. It's, I mean, these we, we, we've talked a lot over the years of how with footballers, confidence is a big thing. So I, I think that I think one, I think John Herman knows that Two, I think that, yeah, his approach is, yeah, we want to be a team and we're good enough to be a team that wants to win every game. And if I do things that maybe show that my actions don't align with what I'm saying, when it comes to that, it might upset the balance, the mentality of the mm. squad. Um, so I, I wonder how much of that kind of stuff plays into it. But um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a valid thing to talk about. But again, but, I think, but, but, when you look at that bench though against Mexico, it wasn't a strong bench. It's like I don't. I think his hand was kind of forced with who he had to but, play. But yeah. let's see. Okay, let's go over who who they lost to the Jamaica game. Who did he lose? Uh, Richard Larea, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, for me, Sam, I I know I know uh, uh, Toronto media might not agree, but I don't see a big drop off between Richie Larea and Sam Atakube. Yeah. Uh, I 
I don't see a big drop off. Uh, Talking big drop off. I think offensively, Larea maybe brings more, but I do like Sam better defensively. Like Sam, I've got to Sam, say. Sam had a fantastic Gold Cup game when he was connecting with um, Alfonso on the left yes. side. Today they seem to have no chemistry at all, but typically they're they're really good. So I'm personally, I don't see a, a massive drop off. I, I then, agree. I agree with but, Michael in terms of the offensive output from Richie. Yeah, a little no, bit. I agree with that too. Uh, but then you got uh, Victoria to Daniel Henry. Daniel Henry might have been the starter anyways in this game because of the fact that how he sets up against the Jamaican forwards. Mm. Yeah, like big, he's, big he's a more bruiser. physical. Please, exactly. Please call him by his proper name. That's Captain Daniel Henry. Yeah. He, he so wasn't I th- bad today. I'll, I'll give him no, that. I don't think this anybody in the back line was bad today. I, I think they were solid all across. And I think like Alistair Johnson had some oh. um, fantastic uh, saves in the on the back line. Cornelius was really good. I thought he yeah. moved the ball up the yeah. pitch. If only Vancouver had a centre-back like Derek Cornelius. I, I would have helped us so much this weekend. Oh, no, wait a minute. That wouldn't have actually worked. Um, yeah, one of our three centre-backs out on loan. The, the, the way of looking at it like that, Herdman was, the final question of his thing post-Jamaica, he was asked... Um, why why did you why did you do that basically why did you put so many eggs in in the basket for this game and he just turned it around and said did you enjoy the game yeah. uh, it was Derek Van Deest that was asking he's like yeah it's like well that's all I need to say yeah he didn't even need to go with that he should have said that he, if he gave a proper answer I, I think he would have been more he did, I, he I, he paused and then kind of decided. Because I think Derek was waiting for him to elaborate, and he wasn't going to. But then he did elaborate a little bit more. But oh, okay. I, hindsight, of course, is a great thing. But I don't. I genuinely don't know, like who you would have changed for that Mexico game, and, and saved no. them for today. It's like would you, would you not have played Jonathan David? Is that what, the big thing? Who would you have played then? Because was Tejon suspended too, or? Oh yes. Okay, yes. so there. There definitely you miss somebody there because yeah. um, uh, no offense to Liam Miller, um, but I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you want to start talking about the game. But yeah, his let, miss let's was, let, let's start talking about the game. <laughs> yeah, his miss was. I wish there was somebody else in that position because oh. that he didn't. I didn't feel like he. I think he took his too much time and he didn't really work, just slam it in there. If he'd hit it, I think anywhere else. Yeah, on goal, it would have been in the back of the net. Michael, I was like he you? took too took too much time. Was it you who said he played it safe? No. Well, give me it was on the broadcast. I, I, I like, yeah. I, I feel like he was. But so, he did, yeah. He was so concerned to get it on goal that he kind of went soft at it. When I, I, I know he, he was probably better to take it first time, but I even felt like he could have taken a touch and then smashed yeah. it. In. Yeah, he could have taken a touch, see where he wanted to put it, and even you, I think he could have passed it back across the box, and it would have been an easy tap in. Um, I think a guy like uh, I think Buchanan definitely would have put it in. Uh, but I, I don't I don't know if he's injured, but it's, I think Carbono. Um, I thought uh, I think he would have been a, a good. Was yeah, wasn't he, he in the original squad? I I know I don't. What's going on with him? I didn't hear that anything. I don't actually know. I haven't paid. Yeah, any I'm not even sure. That. I was thinking that if he was in that squad, because he would have been if mm-hmm. he was called up. I think he would have been. A, I think he would have slammed it in too, because he's a one of those types that just hits it and where he needs to hit it, and he's a good goal scorer. The first half of the Jamaica game, I mean, it wasn't a classic. Both teams had their their chances. It did liven up a bit in the second half. And Canada, I mean, they they did 
Ryder like a little bit, ball crashing off the post, but Canada had their chances as well. It was a game that was there for the taking for sure, and it does feel like two points lost, but at the same time, I think you have to give Jamaica some credit. They could easily have won it, and I think a draw is kind of a fair result at the end of it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like I think I talked to you guys about it during the game. I don't know if it was the you know, the letdown from the Mexico result, because it was a huge result. Uh, or uh, it was a combination of the conditions in Jamaica, like the the pitch and the uh, you're going from altitude to mm-hmm. heat, like uh, humid weather. I, I I don't know which one it is, but it seemed like they were just like off. They weren't the same Canadian team we've seen in the last few first few games and in That's the Gold fair. Cup and everything. So it's something seemed off about this game. I hold it pulled out of the pulled out of the team right right in warm up right like he was supposed to start. He was yeah. supposed. Oh, to be I didn't know that. Yeah, he was supposed oh, to be for Miller. Oh, okay. See the things you miss, Steve, when we watch with the sound down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, I, I, I felt I did, it's just so hard to see them not win this game. Yeah. Um, even like at those last ten minutes, I think we we were talking and we were messaging each other, talking about how like it does not appear like Blake can move too far. Like let's yeah, just, and we, we didn't test him. No, yeah. he did not he get could, tested at all. Yeah, he, if something was going on with his legs. He wasn't able to move. He had no movement. And if at they could the final just got whistle, a sh- he really hobbled off. He, if they could have got a shot on that, they would have scored. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, to Anything to a top like corner, he was yeah. not getting to that. Nope, not at all. Easier said than done, of course. I mean, heading into these three games, I said the bare minimum, they need to get four points with a win over Panama at home, but ideally six. So, obviously, the Panama game's coming up on Wednesday, so there yeah. is still a chance to get four. The grand scheme of things, which is the phrase I love to use when we're looking at all these things, it hasn't cost them too, no. too much. I mean, let's just look at the results from today. And I watched the Panama-US game at the same time. I had that up in one soccer on the laptop and then had the game on the TV. Panama were dominant in that. The US did not get a shot on target for the whole 90 minutes. Um, Someone tagged me on Twitter saying, oh, uh, the US men's national team uh, Twitter is entertaining tonight. So I thought, I'll have a little look at that. Oh my, the sky is falling and the hate that Berhalter is getting, especially for his team selection, a lot of it deserves, I've got to say, the way that they played. Panama could easily have won that three or four nil. It's like they had so many chances. And that one nil win, it's like Zach and me were, were chatting about this. It's great to see the US lose. But from a Canadian point of view, that was not a good result. Not at all. But again, we cannot iterate enough as Canadians how enjoyable it is to see American lose and to just, again, if we could harness all those Twitter tears into like a rain supply to put out the forest fires in like California and Cascadia and wherever it would be, it would be so useful. But um, I actually saw a Canadian fan though in one of the threads when folk were going on about it going, well, at least you didn't draw in Jamaica. And it's like, that's a decent result as opposed to getting beat in Panama. Yeah. People just look at the standings and they see, oh, Jamaica, they're at the bottom and then you got to draw against them. That's not good enough. Yeah. They're not realizing how good Jamaica actually is. Mm. That they just haven't been. For me, it's like, um, 
yeah, a draw would have been ideal. Uh, was 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 Panama the game that they they lost or yeah, uh, and when they qual missed the qualifying last time? Or was that, that was Trinidad, but they did oh. lose to Panama the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, but they, but that there. was Trinidad. It was the last was it, game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, okay. no, yeah, no, good dude. Panama. I think El Raton was playing for Panama, and it was this was pre-VAR. And I think that's when, when Panama given a goal when the ball didn't really go in. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. I remember yeah, that one. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a crazy last. Oh, game that's made my. That's that's why. That's my like, Thanksgiving thanks for reminding me of that. That's why in this in this game, like I know two points lost against Jamaica. That's why this next game against Panama is so vital. Oh, they need so to win. Abs- that. Like, I know we say a lot, oh, it's a massive game, it's a huge game. This is huge. Because yes. their next their next three games are at home. And so mm-hmm. they, they it'd be ideal if they could get I'll pick up all nine points. I know it's against Panama, Mexico, and Costa Rica, very three very you know, although Costa Rica obviously not as good as they used to be, but or last round, but still three very decent teams. But nine points puts them at like right now at, at seventeen, isn't or, it? Or sixteen? Sorry, sixteen. Yeah, but if they could get like I said, these nine points that yeah. puts them at sixteen with uh, essentially six games to go, and I think that's or seven games. To, I can't remember what it is now. I'm drawing a blank. It's a whole mares again. There's too many one. numbers, but sixteen points after the first two rounds of qualifying, or, and with like three more to go, that's that's essentially where you want to be. That'd be a, a perfect conditions. Now, I know Panama were at home today, so it's obviously going to be different when they're on the road. They might sit back or they might try. Well, well the and thing is that they're not going to be as desperate coming into Canada. No, they'll be happy with a they're... point if they yeah. if they come away with a point as well. But they genuinely were impressive today. It's like yeah. they the speed of their movement going forward w- was great to see. The other results today, El Salvador blew a massive opportunity. They were 1-0 up yeah. at half time in Costa Rica. Then Costa Rica scored two quick goals at the start of the second half, came away with a 2-1 win. And then Honduras, fairly comfortable 3-0 winners. Sorry, Mexico, fairly comfortable 3-0 winners over well, Honduras. I'm sure Honduras was comfortable in their three games. Three games have a little yeah, loss. they were. They have to really put up an effort. So, I mean, when you look at the table, like Jamaica bottom, two points. Honduras seventh, three points. That's teams that we've just dropped four points to. Yeah, that but is what makes Honduras, it particularly the Hondur- tough. The Honduras game was tougher. Yeah, and so the first game so as well, and Honduras were looking decent in that. Yeah, they essentially need to make that up by going to Honduras and winning the game that they have there. They need to make up that yeah. drop. There's no PTSD around that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But you look at second place US down to sixth place El Salvador, and there's only three points separating the two teams or the, all the teams in between that. So you've got three points separating five teams. Now, whether El Salvador are going to be contenders, I, I think if they'd, if they'd got the win today, you could maybe put them into that equation. Costa Rica, I was going to say, they're not my father's Costa Rica, but they kind of are my father's Costa Rica, because <laughs> when he was around, they weren't that good, and they seem to have gone back to that. Um, they're not the Costa Rica for a few years ago. The thing is, looking at the table too, Canada and Mexico are the only teams that haven't suffered a loss yet. Yeah, so, so I mean, wanna, that's, that's a positive to take from it. You want to avoid that as long as possible. I mean, we've dropped to fourth now, which a bit of a worry. Not as yeah. much of a worry if we beat Panama, 
Worst case scenario, we lose to Panama, then it's a little bit of panic station. So I, I think it's kind of fair yeah. to say. Yeah, but U.S. is playing Costa Rica at home, and you got to think U.S. is going to win that. Mexico's at El Salvador. So that's maybe a draw. It's all about Canada t- taking care of business at home oh, against yeah. Panama. Yeah. They need to win that game. It's, it's, it's not the end of the world, but they need to win the game. They can't settle for a draw. The thing I'm looking forward to outside of Canada with this is the U.S. because they've still got to play Mexico twice yeah, and they've got to come up to here. Yeah. Now, if they weren't to take any points from those three games, they could be in a lot of trouble. And I'm here for it. <laughs> Seriously, uh, if one of these one of these young engineers could turn Twitter tears into something meaningful in the world, oh, it'd be fantastic. They could just harness that energy into something. Well, called- in 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 the November two game series, um, obviously they're playing they're hosting Costa Rica, but they got to play Mexico at home, and uh, they got to play Jamaica on the road, and that's the two game. I'm wondering if they don't pick, if they only pick up a single point or maybe th- that out of those two games that we might see Bruce uh, MLS Cup winning Bruce Arena take over the national team. Yeah, well, but remember, I could see Bob Bradley take it over because oh, he might oh, be out of a job you, at LAFC by that point. You got a very good point. Well, remember what happened last time Bruce Arena came in to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's coming off of MLS Cup. Yes. That doesn't matter. F- fingers crossed that it's him and... I'd prefer it to be us, but I think that's maybe stretching the realms of, of fantasy and I think I've done enough in this part. But yeah, it's exciting times. The next game coming up on Wednesday. We'll cover that in next weekend's show. That is it for our Canada chat, our World Cup qualifying chat. Have to bid adieu to, to Steve now. He's got work early in the morning. He does yeah. not get gobble day off. Just before you go, Steve, let folk know where they can find you online. I won't ask you what you've learned this week. It's clearly not to eat so much turkey. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. So thanks for Steve for dropping by. He's away to go into his turkey coma. Still more to come from us, though. We're going to be turning our tensions back home, back to local soccer. And a good Canadian tradition. Starting a new football league. And we'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. 
And kicking off this part, I've gone with a Canadian artist. A couple of folk have said to me, why don't you play more Canadian music on the show? Do you hate all Canadian music? No, I love loads of Canadian bands. I've just been really lazy at discovering new Canadian bands. And of course, that song isn't by a new Canadian band. It's by a, a band that I was very much into in the 2000s. Billy Talent. That was their song, Fallen Leaves. I thought very appropriate at this wonderful time of year. I love the fall. I love all the brown leaves and the trees. And not as much of a, a big fan of them being on the ground cluttering up the drainage systems. But it is, it is a beautiful time of year. I do love it for Thanksgiving. Billy Talent there from their second album, Billy Talent 2, in 2006, Fallen Leaves. And fun, fun fact, well, maybe not fun, but a fact, I took Caitlin to see Billy Talent in Glasgow. And I wanted to get right down the front, and we were right in front of the speaker, or more likely Caitlin was in front of the speaker. And she's had hearing damage since that concert. And her ear has this constant kind of clicking, kind of popping sound in it. That was in the same venue where she got put through a railing in a mosh pit that I had her down the front as well. Yep, we have been married for 19 years this year, so obviously doing something right. She she must really love you. She must. It's that or fear. I don't know. (laughs) Needs must, as you say. Yes. Anyway. Love you, Caitlin. Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) One day your ear will get better. But as I mentioned at the the end of the last part, it's Thanksgiving, it's Canada, it's a special time in Canada. What does Canada do best in the football world? We launch new leagues in the most recent seasons. We, We have launched a lot. And officially this past week, League One BC was announced. And... We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that in this part, Zach and myself. We're only going to talk about what is out there. There's a lot of other rumours and things if you're in local soccer scene. There's been a lot of chatter over the, the past year or so about things that might be happening, teams that might be involved. But let's talk about what we do know. So the official announcement was made by BC Soccer this week. And if you haven't yet, and you've got an interest in this, check out the latest Cones and Pennies podcast by Pete Shad. Fantastic 40-odd minute podcast covering a lot of stuff to do with the new league. In summary, it's set to start in May next year. There's going to be seven teams in the league. The final's going to be played on BC Day, so you're talking May to the start of August. They want to cover as many communities as B- in BC as possible and have this as a community league. Now, obviously, it might not be all these communities that they want to hit from the start, but ideally, they want to be in the lower mainland. They want to be in the Vancouver area. They want to be in the Fraser Valley. They want to be in the island. They want to be in the interior. Eventually, I guess, they'd maybe want to be in northern BC and stuff as well. Have a couple of Okanagan communities, as an example, North Island, South Island, all these kind of things. But initially, there will be seven teams. They are going to be announced in the coming weeks and months. What the teams will be, what their identities will be. The official league logo will get launched as well. So some folk have seen the the logo that comes out just now, which there's no getting away from it. It does look like it says UBC. 
but it is a temporary logo. They just wanted something in in BC oh, soccer colors. Oh, I hadn't heard that. So it is temporary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's not the official logo. They're they're going to be unveiling that. That was just a temporary one. They wanted it in the colors. I think ideally, if they had the L one on top of the BC, it wouldn't have looked. Mm-hmm. as much as UBC because I think once you look at it and you see UBC it's yeah. then hard to to see anything different yeah yeah that said I actually quite like it I I, I think I like the colors I, I like the logo of it it's going to be a big focus on youth development so you're probably talking on the whole it's going to be a bulk of under 23 players there will obviously be overage players in the league as well and they're being brought in with a view to sharing their knowledge with the younger guys and helping to bring them on and, and, and stuff like that, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a strong standards-based league. We'll get into that in a sec. That's in every aspect, playing, training, broadcasting. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that that's the long and the short of what we know just now. It's exciting times. I can't wait for it. To start, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Zach. I love this level of football, but I, I just can't wait for this to start. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. When you're talking about a, a country that lacks um, the type of uh, professional football pyramid that you find in you know places like South America and Europe, the, the dialogue has always been okay. Well, how do you how do you start one or re-implement one or or build one or create one or whatever. And um, yeah, the, you, you know, uh, the ultimately it was, it was felt that like you have to start with a pro level, otherwise you won't be able to build anything in, in, yeah. in the way North America works and the financial, the financial element you know, components of things. And so that's why the Canadian Premier League came first. However, we talked a number of times and had, I've had conversations with many friends, including um, one time or sometime lurker of the show Jeff, Jeff Tinker uh he always used to say like no like you got to start from the grassroots up and even though w- things didn't go that way i'm really excited that we are now getting get, finally getting this in in british columbia well it's taken a while because it was first mooted that it was going to be a tier 3 regional league back in 2016 yeah and 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 bc well bc soccer try, well, when was the, when did the first thing go up was it 2017 2018? The, well, the, the tier three one initially was 2016 when they was, were looking for people to submit. Right. And I've, I, I've heard two different stories. One, that there was just one person that expressed interest and the other one, that there was two notes of interest. Either Which way, is, it's that's hard to not a league. league. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ideal. And we've talked a little bit about this on the show before, but there's so much self-interest in the lower leagues in BC, and I totally get it. The ideal situation for me as a lover of like watching the VMSL, Fraser Valley League, the Vancouver Island Soccer League, Provincial Cup time, that that was when I first discovered that the lower leagues really. I started going out to Provincial Cup games, and I loved it because I love cup games. That's what drew me in. And then I was like, I want to watch more of this level and then started going to VMSL games, then thought, I'm just going to film the odd bit here and there. And now, every other weekend, I'm out and I'm filming games. They're getting hundreds of views on, on YouTube. Made some good friends through it and contacts. And and I love it. Obviously, I'm a bit unique in folk in North America not liking that level of soccer. 
But the self-interest has always been. The dream scenario would have been Vancouver Metro Soccer League, Fraser Valley Soccer League, Vancouver Island Soccer League would get together, form the semi-professional league. That would be a very, very strong level because there's a lot of ex-pros there, folk that's come through the Whitecaps Academy, folk that's gone and played in Europe. You're talking a high level, a high quality of football involved in this. Everyone wanted to look out for themselves, and I get that, because it's their league. VMSL is the top amateur league in the province. Why would they want to share it with leagues that they feel inferior? Why would they want to travel to the island for not much money when they can just play all the games locally and have a beer afterwards and they're not adding an extra four or five hours onto their day as family men? So I do get that, which is, I think, in part, Zach, why they're focusing on the youth element of this. And it's not these traditional clubs, some of whom are a little bit miffed that they've been left out of the equation because BC Soccer want to rebrand it and have new clubs coming in. I think you're, and you and I have talked about this, I think you're you're looking at it from one perspective if you say they've been left out. Because to me, the the opportunity in 2016 was anyone could could get in. Back then, yeah. Yeah, anyone yeah. could get in if you wanted to. And like you said, there was one or two interested parties which does not make a league, right? In part, it was because of the, the financial commitment and some of the other standards which involved playing in an enclosed park, being able to charge fans attendance, have broadcasting capabilities. There's not a lot of those venues in the lower mainland well, that's well, available regularly over the summer because Swan the, Guard's almost fully booked for other things during the summer. But there, I, I don't know. There, to me, there is and there isn't. One, two, well, two things. One, yes, things to do that costs money. So yes, I, I agree. I don't know what, what we're, I don't know the ballpark we're talking in, but yes, it, there would be a financial commitment, which I, I was seems obvious was a barrier for many. But man, like where there's a to me, it's like where there's a will, there's a way, and whether it's yes, looking out for self interest as you mentioned, or just saying hey, this isn't going to take off. If we don't, I, I wonder how much there was behind the scenes, Michael, the, the, some of these uh, well established clubs. Just saying, hey, if we all don't go in on this, it's not going to happen and we can just kind of keep going the way we are. You know, like... Because there's so much in it as well, because it's like, what is in it for those clubs to put the money up? And the answer is not a lot, which again is why they've gone with the youth development. And I think that's the way to go because you're bringing on... It's going to be a semi-pro league, so players are going to get paid. Not masses amount of money. You're not going to be having rosters that rivals like usl or or anything like that or cpl be a bit closer to cpl than usl i'd imagine but it's it's creating it's discovering the new crop of talent it's this pathway that we've talked about needing and why is there not bc players in the national team set up it's because we don't have these opportunities for them yeah and and that is the the light at the end of the tunnel this i mean the, I think I think whatever whatever everyone hopes this will turn into is m- multiple players like Alistair Johnson, who played in League One Ontario, mm-hmm. and is now playing in MLS and playing regularly in the national team, contributing regularly in the national team. That's like the long term, I think, goal for every, every like from BC Soccer's perspective, from the CSA's perspective. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that there are some uh, long established VMSL or Fraser Valley or Vancouver Island. 
clubs that would have maybe liked to have been a part of it, but uh, didn't take the opportunity or there wasn't enough of them that took the opportunity when things were, you know, open up to them in 2016 to now have them complain to me is kind of rings a little hollow. If, if I don't know if that's fair it, enough. But that's it's it. only, it's only a few that's, that's a little bit miffed by it. Some of them are quite happy doing what they're doing. Right. And what I like about this is it's a summer league. Right. So you've so got, got competing with those yeah, leagues. Right? They're, I, but we're going to get someone from BC Soccer on the show in the coming weeks and we'll talk to them. I was going to do it for this episode, but I thought there's not a lot out there just now yeah. that they can elaborate on anyway. And it's all covered in the Cones and Pennies podcast. So that's the place to go for your info just now. But the only overlap might be around Provincial Cup time. And TSS Rovers had that in the USL. There was battles. It's like, look, these are our guys. We want them to play for us. No, we want them to play for us. And... So BC Soccer put on that competition, so I'm sure they'll 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 sort that out. But this lets the all the amateur leagues do their stuff in the winter. These guys have the summer. There's local summer football leagues, but it's not a high level. So I, I think it's a win-win situation, yeah. and you're still going to get some players that if if they do really well in the VMSL, they can get scouted by Pacific FC, and we saw that not always hugely successfully, but like, like guys like Jordan Haynes and Victor Blasco were playing in VMSL, mm-hmm. and now they're they're playing in the in the CPL. So I, I think this is the best of both worlds. I, I, I'll put some questions to you, Zach, about this. First of all, do you feel that BC is ready for this league? And I'm gonna give it in three different things. First of all, player wise, are there is there enough quality players out there? to sustain seven teams at a good level? Uh, before I answer specifically with the players, your your question of is BC ready just in general? I think sometimes, Michael, um, leadership isn't about being like, is everyone ready? It's about it's about leading. It's about paving a, paving a path, about carving a way out. And so in that... I like that. In yep. that respect, I, I I appreciate what they're trying to do. Does that mean everything that BC Soccer is going to do around this is going to be perfect or they're going to get it all right? No. Um, but I appreciate that they're like, this is finally happening. And this is not just propelling BC forward, but is hopefully going to continue to propel Canada forward, right? It's in the, the three largest provinces. And uh, whether those three interact or uh, other leagues form across the prairies or the Maritimes or whatever, uh, I think this is... Yeah, that's what you're hoping for. Because, I mean, the... League 1 BC has been fantastic. You mean League 1 Ontario? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. We're talking about... Sorry, I, I just um... popped into the future for a little bit. I've just yeah. come back to say it's fantastic. Um, East, East Fife Van were tremendous in it. And, I mean... <laughs> Triple champs, the three P. It, w- it was great. Um, but no, so that, that that's that's the first thing. I think I think this I think this is, yeah. Is is BC ready for it? Probably not, to be honest. But I think I think it, the, there are those who uh, know that it needs to move forward, and so they're they're trying to lead change. So I, I, I'll, I'll expand in just sort of cut you off. But like I mentioned, the players there, but also like. Are they ready for referees? Are the fans ready for it? So when yeah. you're talking about this, yeah. we'll encompass all of all of those three so things. On those on those those levels, I'll be I'll be uh, honest with you. Obviously, when it comes to like the player side of things, my knowledge is uh, let's say limited. 
Um, but um, I've heard some people say that maybe, maybe again, it's, it's, we're not really ready for it and it's going to take some growth. I, I, I guess my optimistic perspective is uh, we all, I don't think any of us thought that the CPL would come out kind of at the level it was when it first started. We, I think, like mm. in our, you know, amongst us here. Yeah. On, uh, I've yeah, said constantly how surprised I've been by the quality of it. Yeah, we all thought it would be a little bit, at least a little bit lower of a level, of a level to start. I was it. basing it on the this level of football that we're talking about just now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know if BC is ready in terms of like has the the player pool for it, and I guess we're gonna we're gonna find that out and see how difficult it is or how easy it is for these in, inaugural seven clubs to fill their fill their squad and the, the good thing about it though is that the teams should hopefully all be at about the same level yeah hopefully yeah that would that would that would probably make things more more interesting on the whole and um, l- looking at the tough time vancouver's whitecaps under 19s are currently yeah. having the fraser valley league that i thought they were going to walk they just got thrashed 5-0 on thursday by abbotsford united up up the abbotsford yeah up the abbey and that it's like a lot of these guys could be in this league and it's like hmm maybe the quality is out there but Abbotsford is a it's an older side as well so yeah. it's like an over 23 side men versus boys yeah we'll, so we'll so we'll see on the on the player side of things um what what you said well, in terms the, of the, the in terms refs of, as well because yeah, it's refs. like do we have enough refs so i mean it's, it's they have to learn somewhere uh, refs yeah i have no i have even less of an idea when it comes to this Although talking to you know friend of the show um, Chris Harrop about this, uh, he he is someone who aspires. You know he's done some games and stuff. He's act an active referee and uh, referee's assistant and stuff. And he's hoping that he can um, you know get involved as a referee with this. And oh, hopefully uh, I can abuse him. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, continue to develop and grow as a referee, right? Um, so, I, I, but then yeah, how many people are there that want to be be in that role? I don't I don't really know. Um, I don't know. It, I, is there enough guide dogs to go around? <laughs> when it comes to the fans, yeah, I, I um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the fan culture develops around this. And that's I, the interesting one because I, I mean, in Cones and Pennies, Pete Shad was talking about the ideal scenario that teams are drawing four-figure crowds, and I'm like, hmm, Whitecaps uh, too struggled to draw four-figure crowds in their yeah. death rows. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they put it, put this to the people. But I think the their initial language here of like, hey, this is for this is for the community. I just That's like the big selling point. Yeah, I just like the fact that they're using the word community. They're not yep. like we're trying to get into the right markets in BC, and the everyone has everyone has been um, socialized or by osmosis has heard this business language around sports, and they all all adopted, and it like it like grinds against my soul. And so I was oh, just yeah. happy when, when they were just like, yeah, this is going to be for communities. We want communities to support, support their local team. Well, when you felt like Pete involved, like he's so astute and he knows yeah. football and he knows, yeah. and he knows what BC. gets people on board and he knows BC as well. Yeah. So, I mean, like looking at something like Coquitlam Metro Ford, what they've got out there is fantastic with all the youth teams and they're in the community. And I've been out at some Metroford Wolves VMSL games out at Charles Best or out at Percy Perry or the roundabout stadiums there. They pack the the fans out to that because it's a community thing. Yeah. And that's what League One BC needs to tap into. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different 
because this is in the summer and there's yeah. a lot of folk got other things in the summer. But you saw with TSS, Rovers, how you can engage a fan base yeah. and get them in. And that's what all these clubs need to do. Yeah, and, and, when you, and that's the thing. The advantage they'll have over what TSS did when they originally joined USL is it's not, hey, we're TSS and we're going to be playing these teams you most of these people have never heard of from mm-hmm. around USL. It's going to be, hey, we're going to be playing six other teams from BC and you know these places and you're going to want your community not to... I, I don't know. I disagree with that because TSS really? were playing Portland and Seattle. So they're playing Timbers uh-huh. and Sounders under 23. So that's an easier sell and Victoria Highlanders. So that's an easier sell as opposed... Now, I, I'm i just picking these at random. I'm not yeah. giving anything away as opposed to saying, oh, Coquitlam's playing West Vancouver today. Although in VMSL, that's a huge rivalry. So that would get a good crowd out. That's a bad example. Let's just say Delta is, is playing North Van. I, I don't know that that has the same kind of thing. Obviously, the teams are going to have names yeah. that's linked into the community. Pete was involved heavily with the branding in CPL. He's been involved yeah. in the branding with this. So he's going to be delving into that. And you want community clubs. It's what yeah. English non-league football has thrived upon. Scottish non-league football is now starting to do that. In, in Scotland, I've talked about this before, there's something called the juniors, which isn't kids, it's adults, and it's non-league. And a lot of it is Ayrshire pit towns, like old mining towns. They draw thousands to their games because it's community. And that's something they really need to tap into. Like what makes those clubs tick is what would make League One BC clubs tick, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's exciting. And uh, I mean, if they're talking about gates and whatever and people having to pay to get into it, it'll also be like how reasonable they are with this, right? Like That's my concern. If folk are yeah. paying, I don't know that they turn out because you've got good level VMSL games that are free right. and folk aren't turning up for them because folk don't have that interest in that level of football. Yeah. And although this is a more professional level technically because it's regional three, genuinely the kind of football you'd see in VMSL would be of a higher quality on the whole than you might see in this league. So, and Whitecaps two was such a hard sell. And I know part of it was because they're playing out of Thunderbird stadium, but even when they went to Langley it was a hard sell there, although that is also another stadium that is not the easiest to get to if you don't drive. I don't know how oh, yeah. folk yeah, get to, the, to that stadium if you, if they don't drive. Are you talking about McLeod? Yeah, that yeah. was awful. Even driving there, it's like take a wrong turn, you're in the middle of nowhere, there's planes flying over and you're like, I'm in the middle <laughs> of an airfield. It's next to an airport, yeah. Yeah, maybe that was just uh, me. But I, I'm excited for it. I think... The important thing is people need to give this a chance. Year one is not going to be perfect. No. And the quality might not be great in in year one. But years three and year five, I think it is. And the important thing is, is that BC Soccer are making it a standards-based league. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be training, I think it's four nights a week or four days a week. It's a four-one ratio with the the games, right? Yeah. And then you're playing at the the weekends. Um, It's broadcasting the games are going to be streamed so it's going to be very professional set up 
hopefully with commentary. I mean, who knows? There was lots of talk that League One Ontario was meant to be going on one soccer, but we haven't seen that yet. Mm. Maybe League One BC down the line, we'll see those games on one soccer, which would be fantastic. And that's how you get it out there. Yeah. But the, year one might be a bit of a struggle, and I hope folk don't write it off for that. But these clubs are making a financial commitment for like three to five years that they're going to be part of this and it's going to be growing. Let us know your thoughts on it. Let us know what you'd like to see from this league. If you think it it can work, what would make it work? What would get you interested to go into these games? Come and hmm. let, let us know. I, I'm curious by that. If this is a level of football that you're not used to watching, what would make you come out to them? Hopefully we get a few replies to that and we'll, we'll cover it next week. Yeah. But that is pretty much it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Still time for Wavelength, though, and kind of tying in with this. I, I mentioned that I've tried to pick a theme of our songs for this month of giving football clubs back to the community and the community spirit and having the fans take it back from the money men. So it ties in well with what BC Soccer are trying to do here with League One. So I'm going to play a song just now. I'm not sure what year it came out. It was the late 2000s. It's from an Oxford Oi band called Loyalty. And this is Give Football Back to the Working Class. Get football back to the way it was. 
Oxford band loyalty there with give football back to the working class. Get the money men out the game. Get the gambling sites out the game. Pretty sure there's some players around the league that might be agreeing with that. And give it back to the fans. That's what League One BC is all going to be about. Hopefully you get out and support that as well. That is it though for this week's show. Just before we go, Zach... Let no folk know where they can find you online and anything you've learned this Thanksgiving week. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM. And um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm really thankful. I'm thankful for the people who listen to uh, this podcast and engage with us online or uh, via email or uh, or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm just thankful for this community and the opportunity to be a part of it beautiful sentiments there like in all seriousness i am as well like this is episode 480 now of this show and we've brought out 50 odd podcasts uh, in our extra one as well we've done youtube stuff and to have you guys watching along at home interacting with us online sending the tweets and the emails it, it really does mean a lot to me this has been a, a great community since moving to Canada in 2007. Getting into the football community here helped me settle in. Made lots of lifelong friends out of it, like Zach, like Steve. And we really enjoy doing these shows. Hopefully we'll do them for many, many more years to come. And we really appreciate you listening. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, aftn.ca. Give me a follow on Twitter at AFTN Canada and on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Subscribe, turn on notifications, like our videos, all that kind of stuff. One thing that I learned this weekend, because when I got back from commentating at UBC on Saturday, watched the Whitecaps game, it was a late night for me. Then I wanted to watch the boxing, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight, the third fight between these three Tyson Fury beating Wilder now three times only twice officially the other one was deemed a draw what I learned from this is Deontay Wilder is a very bad loser wouldn't accept the the nice words from Tyson Fury after the the end of the fight and just walked out the ring didn't do any interviews in the ring and said he had no respect for Tyson Fury Tyson Fury's reply is a religious man and you'll like this one Zach I'm going to pray that his cold heart gets some warmth in it. <laughs> I, I only, I mean, I, I knew you were talking to me about a fight you were going to watch, but I only know about this fight is because Eric Castle shared on his Facebook uh, page about, he shared a clip of the knockout or whatever. Oof. Yeah, I mean, the fight should have been over way before that because Wilder was out on his feet. But for the, the second fight in a row where he beats Wilder, Tyson Fury just grabs the mic and sings a song after it. This time he changed walking in Memphis to I'm walking in Vegas. And he just belts out this full song after going 11 rounds and being knocked down twice as well in it. Incredible guy. Anyway, thank you for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. Let us know what you're thankful for, whether it's football-wise or whatever. 
We will be back soon with another show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the Caps and Ali La Rouge. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.